We give you glory, praise, and thanks for a beautiful morning, sunshine. We thank you for spring, it's on the way. Um, a lot of the summertime critters have come back already. They kind of jumped the gun, but great you take care of them. It encourages us, lifts our spirits to see them come back. Um, God, we need springtime always in our hearts and minds. Refresh and empower our relationship with you. We need personal revival, and we ask for that in Jesus' name. Come now, Holy Spirit, and give us more uh, wisdom, knowledge, understanding of your word here in Revelation. We want to know Jesus better, want to know and love you more, Lord, and want to understand you and your plan for all things in a deeper way so we can share it with others. So thank you for your help now, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 22. I think we finished up in verse 6 pretty much, but let's just, I mean, you can't, you can't spend too much time in this and just soak in it and receive from it. So I'm going to start chapter 22, verse 1, just kind of read through verse 5, and then ask you for kind of a summary, you know, what are two or three words that jump out that summarize this little section. So 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Two or three theme words kind of jump out from that section there. What impresses you? Which one, life or light? I couldn't, life. life. Life is really huge there with the water and um, with the tree. So life is huge there. Good. What else? Light. Both of those are really big. Life and light. Those are going to go on forever and ever and ever. Uh, Naps are real big there, right? That's a theme. Naps. No. no naps. Good, Brian. Now you're on top of things. No naps. No sleeping. I don't know what there might be, but doesn't, I don't know. We don't see much evidence of a need for it. No night. No stress. No stress. <laughs> yeah. Never have to close the gates. There's no threat ever. There's no seven-day calendar anymore. There's no Sabbath calendar kind of thing anymore, apparently. Um, just all kinds of life and light that it's, I don't know, we can kind of sort of imagine it, but I don't think we can imagine 5% of what it's going to be like. Amazing. So when you go back and in chapter 21, those themes are pretty prevalent too, life and light. 
and uh, the presence of Father and Son, they, they are the temple itself and the throne. They're always at the center of that. All right, good. Anything else through verse 5? Reign forever and ever. Okay, verse 6. So the angel that's been given John this tour of the new Jerusalem and um, eternity here, the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. So what does that feel like there as the angel makes that statement to John? What's the sense that we get? Chapter 22, verse 6. <laughs> what feeling do you get as the angel makes that statement? Because I mean, for a whole couple of chapters, he's been giving John a tour of what? Tour of heaven, the new Jerusalem. And he's just been pointing things out. He's been showing John things, right? Showing him all kinds of stuff. And then he speaks to him. He says, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits, the prophets, and his angels show his servants the things that must soon take place. What does it feel like has happened to the tour? Tour's done. This is the end. Please exit through the gift shop and buy your souvenirs on the way out. Right? How many of you have been on so many <laughs> cave, cave tours and this tour and that tour and uh, zoos? You go through the special aquarium and what, what is always when you're done? Please exit through the gift shop, spend lots of money there, buy your t-shirts and your stuffed animals on the way out. That's, <laughs> that's what it feels like and that's, that's what it is. The angel is wrapping up the tour here. So what does he, how does he wrap it? These words are trustworthy and true. Do we need to hear that? Why do we need to hear that? What's, what's this tour been like? Fantabulous. Yeah. Blowing our minds, right? Uh, we've been trying really hard to understand what's it actually going to be like? How is this going to look? How is it going to function? What's it going to be like? And how many times did Pastor Drew have to say, I don't know? 15 or 20 times. I don't know. I don't know. Huh? <laughs> I know, it's true. You should live with me. <laughs> you should see Lisa, her, eye, her eyebrows go up. <laughs> so, if we, if we had to agree together a whole lot of, this is amazing, this is fantabulous, I don't know how this is actually going to work, what it's going to be like, but it's going to be awesome. So we need to hear this statement. Just, just laying it out there from which angel? He's one of the seven angels who did what? Poured out one of the seven bowls of the last bowls of judgment, the plagues. Uh, so a high-ranking, very important angel. And he says, here's my summary statement. All I've just shown you looks like Hollywood on steroids. Um, somebody did drugs and then made a movie in a positive, wonderful, glorious way. And he says, I just need you to know something. All I've shown you and the words I've spoken and the words you've heard all through this revelation, it's, it's one singular, it's not the revelations, 
Now, it's a, I'm splitting hairs, but it's the revelation. The whole thing is one revelation from Jesus to his people. And the angel says the whole thing. These words are trustworthy and true. You may not be able to comprehend all of it. You have no idea what the actual experience is going to be like, truly. But it's real, it's true, and it's coming. And to that, all God's people say, Amen. Amen. And we say Paul's wonderful, one of his favorite phrases, actually it's part of, a, part of worship in the early church, Maranatha, um, which means what? Anybody know? Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. So that's where we're at. And, you know, do the angels want that to happen too? Yeah. Angels sick and tired of helping us through this messed up, sin-cratered existence. I don't know if they're tired, but they can't wait for it to be done. Why do you think they went so nuts when they announced Jesus' birth in Bethlehem? They were like, all right, finally, major step towards getting this thing accomplished. So here he, here he says, these words are trustworthy and true, John. He says, the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets. Now, why would he emphasize that about the God he's talking about? How does God usually reveal his will to his people? Through the, the prophets. And where do the prophets get their stuff from? Right. From the Spirit who speaks to the prophets. How does the rest of the world get their inspiration, their wisdom, their guidance? Huh? Our pastors. <laughs> yeah, our pastors, he says. <laughs> Sometimes we can be helpful. How about, yeah, how about the world, uh, the pagan world, the world that doesn't know God or has rejected God? Where do they get their guidance from? Yeah, secular things, sometimes spiritually whacked out things. You know who Aaron Rodgers is? One of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever been in the NFL. Green Bay Packers, boo. Longtime quarterback. Um, and I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not picking on, I'm not judging him to anywhere. I'm just saying he's a cultural icon and he's, how old is he? Anybody know? Any big NFL fans here? He's 40 something, but he's still really good. Huh? He's low forties, right? 40, 41, 42, something like that. Anyway, so um, has a really interesting spiritual background. So he's kind of tired of playing for the Packers, and he has to make a big decision. Am, am I going to retire, or am I going to try and go to another team? So how does, he, how does he look for direction, inspiration? How does he look for, where does he go for his inspiration, his wisdom, about this life decision? He He went, to a, he went to a dark retreat. He has often also done this thing where you 
drink smoked banana peels or something. I don't know what it is. It's, it's something from South America. But you, you cook it into a tea and you drink it, and it makes you go hallucinogenic. And then you come out of the hut, and you go, I see things clearly now. So he's done that too. But he does his dark retreat, and then afterwards he said, going into the dark retreat, he was 90% going to retire. But coming out, he decided, no, I'm not done. I'm going to play for the New York Jets. So it just really struck me that, wow. You know, how do people who don't pray and ask God for wisdom and guidance and stuff, how do they, how do they make decisions? That's how he makes decisions. He goes into a dark room for three or four days and, you know. Yeah. So, really interesting. So, God's words are trustworthy and true. I'd rather follow that guidance, amen? The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets. So, so the prophets, they hear from the Lord by, by the Holy Spirit, hear from God himself, and they communicate it to us, the true prophets. So the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants... So angel means, what's, what's the root meaning of the word angel? Messenger. Good. So, have we heard from a number of different angels in the book of Revelation? Yeah, we've heard from the, the most wonderful, excellent messenger of all on occasion too, from Jesus himself. Um. So I think this is just kind of a generalized statement. God sent his angel, his messenger, could be plural. From our perspective, it should be, but sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. So who are the servants? Yep. You and, you and me and you know the, the followers, the believers, true believers in Christ Jesus, who else could be servants? Who else serves the Lord besides us? The angels themselves, right? But the angels know the plan <laughs> um, is the impression we get. And so he's primarily talking about us. God sent his angel to show his servants, earthly human followers, the things that must soon take place. So what, what word jumps out at you there in that last phrase? There's a couple that might jump out. Yeah, so shortly or soon, soon jumps out. How long ago was this written? 2,000 years ago. So we've talked about this, right? It started with Soon, soon, soon. So we talked about why, how come it's 2,000 years, but God's, from God's perspective, it was soon 2,000 years ago. Well, we've got to try and wrap our brains around how God sees time. Um, to God, a 1,000 years are like a day. <laughs> and, uh, and a day is like a 1,000 years. So for God... Time is just, God isn't bound by time. He's not, I don't want to say he's not in time. He's in it, but he's, time is not a thing to him. It's no big deal. So God is, he's back there in the moment that he created Adam and Eve. He's, he's still there in a sense. He's still rejoicing in it. He's enjoying it. He's already ahead. 
He's already ahead of us and when the trumpet blows and Christ comes on the clouds and he's everywhere else in between all at the same time. He's, he's just, time is not a thing for him. So why did, why did God give us time? Say again. Okay, so more can know him. Yeah, good. He puts boundaries on it. We, we ate from the fruit in the garden, so what did that bring? Death and destruction. If time wasn't a thing, that would maybe go on for ever. That would not be good. So one of the reasons I think we need time is so that God can put an end to it and fix it once and for all. Oh, I think we also need time to function. Is there plenty enough chaos on the planet the way it is? Yeah. What, what helps reduce some of the chaos? The sun goes down, and you know that it's night, and you should try and get some sleep. And, and don't text your pastor at 2 o'clock in the morning. Call him if there's an emergency, but don't text him at 2 in the morning. But you know, so, so we, need, we need some structure, don't we? We need some, some helpful stuff. Do we need to know how many days there are in the work week? Yeah, we need structure. We need to know that, that the week is seven days. God made it in six days and rested in the seventh. And he said, from now on, this is how it works. This is how I design this. This is how your bodies will function. If you try an eight-day week, it's going to blow it up. It won't work. And there have been cultures that have tried it. You can do a six-day week, but it'll blow it up. You've got to go with seven because that's what I designed. Your, your body, your biorhythms are designed that way. So we need that structure. It's a, it's a gift to you and me. Time is a gift to you and me. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but it's a gift from God. God doesn't need it, but we need it. And then he uses it to bless us. Okay, good. So soon is a word that jumps out to us. What else might jump out, that last phrase there? Send his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Must. Why is that important? Yeah. And we need clarity, don't we? We need, and God says, these things must happen. There's going to be two destinations. You're going to be in this glorious, everlasting new Jerusalem on a new heaven and new earth, or lake of fire. Let's be clear. Let's be super clear, black and white up front. But these things must happen. They will happen, and they must so be aware um, and hear my good news, my gospel, and respond. Okay, good. Anything else through the angel's summary statement after the tour of Jerusalem, New Jerusalem? Let's, let's toss this question out there. 
I know, uh, I don't know how many, it seems like lots of Christians avoid revelation, right? What if, what if God did not show us these things by the prophets, um, but especially the revelation? What if God hadn't um, brought John up to heaven and given his angels clues about what things to reveal to John for us? What if we didn't have the book of Revelation? How would that change our faith walk and our outlook? Yeah. yeah. More fear. Lose hope. Good. What else? If we didn't have revelation, we'd be blind. It'd be harder to trust. Good. Cause more doubt, yeah. Because we're, we're in a little bit of a strange time here for us because America's been a good, good, relatively godly Christian place for, for a long time. And now our, our empire, our nation is on the decline. So we're living in the time of the decline and it's become precipitous. So it's really disturbing to us in a big, big way. Um. But I, so studying Revelation, has that been timely for us the last couple, three, four, five years, whatever it's been? <laughs> it's been so good, so um, I'm awfully glad God gave us Revelation. Because I know that the evil and the wickedness, the foolishness that we see pretty much every day now, there's going to be judgment for that. There's going to be consequences for that. And I know that, that we would like to be able to bring down the consequence ourselves right now. But that's a good thing that we can trust that into whose hands? God's hands. He knows the perfect time. Why is he waiting? Do you know that from Scripture? Why is God waiting? Why hasn't he brought the hammer down yet? Okay. Yep. And God says, I am patient. Go ahead. Yes, God says, I am patient to bring more into my kingdom. There are still people getting saved. So this is going to keep on cooking. I believe until it's the last human being who's willing to be saved says yes, and then the hammer. That's, that's my perspective. So in Revelation, when God tells John, he says, well, or the souls under the altar saying, how long? Oh Lord, how long before you bring justice? And God says, when the number of the martyrs has been fulfilled, then I'll bring the hammer down. So, I don't want to go too far with that, but to me, I have a sense that God's not going to end this as long as there's somebody who is that close to getting saved. Right? So, I, in my mind, and it's just my mind, in my mind, there's a moment when the last person on the planet who's willing to be saved says yes. And then the hammer comes down. It's kind of strange to think of such a moment, right? But what do we have with Noah and the flood? What did we get down to? We got down to eight people. Yikes. And there were hundreds of thousands, probably millions on the planet at that time. Millions and only eight 
So, all right. So, really fascinating to me, this next verse. So we've had this wonderful, phantasmagorical, Willy Wonka tour <laughs> of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, and we're just, we're just, wow. And the angel says, these words are trustworthy and true. It's, it's coming. God's actually going to do it. What I've shown you, John, it's actually going to happen, and you're going to experience it, and all the, all the saved ones are going to experience it. And um, God brought all this to your attention to show his servants the things that must soon take place so we would have hope and joy and our faith would have an object and we would know, hey, we can get through really, really impossibly hard stuff because we know what's coming on the other side. Say glory. Okay. So the angel makes that summary statement and then how many of you have red letter Bibles? If you, how many don't have red letter Bibles? Meaning, the, okay, so if you have a red letter Bible, this one I'm using happens to be red letter. It means whenever Jesus speaks, it goes red print instead of black. So in my Bible, it's like something's coming here because all of a sudden it goes red. Verse 7, who speaks? He says, behold, I am coming soon. You don't need red letters to know who's that. Who said that? Jesus. Uh, so the angel gives this tour, and then he tells John, it's a wrap. These words are trustworthy and true. It's soon going to take place. God told his servants through the prophets and the angel. And then Jesus' voice, it doesn't say, then Jesus spoke to me, a voice came from the throne. None of those normal revelation introductory remarks from John that he often does, for some reason. In this moment, it's just all of a sudden, it's like Jesus is standing next to him and he says, behold, I'm coming soon. I've, I've, I've had a blast watching my angel show you around the new Jerusalem, John. What a thrill to watch you just going. I mean, your eyes couldn't have popped anymore and your heart couldn't have leaped any more times. So Jesus is just thrilled by this tour himself. And the angel makes a summary statement, and Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. So the angel has just made a summary statement. Jesus makes kind of a summary statement. He's got another one coming. But this is his um, bullseye one-shot follow-up to the angel's summary. Uh, his very first word, what? Awesome Bible word. We need to use that more. Yeah. <laughs> Start using that at work, okay, Brian? <laughs> Behold! You know, when you see something wild, I'm going to start using this at home. So like when the, the bird was in our oven hood yesterday morning, if you're on Facebook, you can get the whole story there. So I come down for breakfast and there's a bird in our oven hood. You know, so Lisa came in the room and I could have said, Behold! <laughs> there is a grackle in our oven hood. That's a great word that says something fantastic is happening here and you need to open your eyes and experience it. Heads up! Behold, I am coming soon. Because what did the angel just say? the things that must soon take place. Uh, is Jesus excited to hear that? Does he agree with that? What does he say? I am coming soon. 
blessed, approved by God is kind of the blown up um, definition of blessed. It's way more than happy, though happy is a part of it. Happy, approved by God is he or she, it's, it's inclusive, is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Now that's a loaded mouthful. What does that mean? What does it mean to keep the words? What does it mean to keep the words? Obey, good. Yes, trust, good. Yep, live the way he wants us to live. You bet, good. More? Yes. So there's a, along with the obeying and living it and trusting and all those wonderful things, along with it, it's a big thing. So the keeping is keeping the words before me, keeping them in my, in my mind and in my heart, pondering over them as Mary did the words she heard from the, angel, uh, from the shepherds and stuff. It says what? It says Mary pondered all these things in her heart. She's like, this is big God stuff. I'm going to. I'm going to let this roll around in my mind and in my heart, and I'm going to pray into it. So all those things, good. Um, blessed is the one who keeps the word. So when we keep the words, is it, is it just to make God happy? No, we're going to have joy in it too. We're going to have gladness, happiness in it too. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Now, what kind of words are we keeping here? Prophecy, okay? Uh, forward, future-looking things. Now, not all prophecy is forward and future. I mean, prophecy literally means word from God. It can be for right now, okay? The book of Revelation, the first three chapters are a word for right now, for the churches, right? And then, the, in my mind... Uh, pretty clearly, chapter 4, verse 1, it's like, and let me show you what's coming in the future. So this is a prophetic future speaking book. Yeah. I think so often when you have prophecy, I think there is times where there's a prophecy so you know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think so often God just slides it right in there and you go, and then it makes sense to you like so often it's yeah. Right. Yeah. So, other other prophecies about the end times we've seen coming to fulfillment here recently, and or deeper steps taken. So, like you know, the prophecy that says. Russia and Iran and Turkey are going to come together against Israel, and they've never been friends in all of human history, but they are now. So you see something like that happen, and because we're keeping the prophecy here, and we're keeping it, we go, I mean, what, what happens? We're like, oh, it's happening. So that's a, that's a part of this whole mix, that the prophecy, it's, it's no longer just something in the future that we're learning about, now we're starting to experience the fulfillment. 
and the thrill of that. Okay, good. So, keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Now, I didn't write it down, but let's go back, way back to the Revelation chapter 1. Because this is going to bookend it pretty powerfully. Yeah. Let's read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Uh, so we've got this closing statement from Jesus here. And what was the opening statement? Chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Wow. Pretty much word for word, right? He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So, yeah, his angel, Jesus, messenger, to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So the promise there in verse 3 is, blessed are those who read it and hear it, and take it to heart. Now, have we just done that for over a course of a few years? We have read it, we have heard it, and we've taken it to heart. And now what do we need to do that we've read it, heard it, and taken it to heart? We need to keep it. Oh, isn't that cool? We need to keep it. Because that's where the blessing is at. Keeping it. So Jesus, it doesn't even say he steps forward or whatever, just like, boom, his voice says, behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. We're wrapping up this revelation. John, we've given you a whole truckload of stuff to, to work through and to declare and share with the rest of the body of Christ. Um, blessed is the one who keeps it. Verse 8. I, John. So if you're John, how are you feeling I don't often ask feeling questions, but how are you feeling right now if you're John? You just had the heaven tour. Angel makes a summary statement. Jesus speaks with his own exhilarating summary statement. How are you feeling right now? Good. Excited? What? Yeah. With the excitement, could very probably tired and overwhelmed. How did Daniel feel? when God showed him big stuff at the end. He got, he felt sick and terrible and kind of wiped out for days. Of course, he saw, um, he saw more of the, the hard stuff and it was a shock to him. But, so there, there's different ways you can feel. Uh, now, this ended with the glorious tour of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, so I'm hopeful that he was feeling excited and, but, as he ponders Revelation, it's, I don't want to say roller coaster, but there are places where you're like, what? And there are places where the wrath of God comes down and you're just like, and then you get to the end and you go, glory. So I'm, I'm curious, so just, just to kind of put ourselves in John's sandals a little bit, I'm not trying to let him off the hook here, but in a way I am. I'm saying, hey, he be a human being too, amen? John be uh, perfect? 
Uh, he'd be sinner saved by grace like you and me. Yeah. So verse 8 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. Whoops. Uh, so I, again, I'm not trying to explain away. I'm just, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to put myself in John's sandals and going, John, what happened here? I'm thinking overwhelmed, wiped out, full of joy and gladness, um, just wanting to drop and worship, right? Just wanting to drop and worship. And the, this, this particular mighty, glorious, beautiful angel has been showing him around. Um, so he falls down to worship at the feet of the angel who'd been showing them, showing him these things. Verse 9, but the angel said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow, what? Fellow servant. Isn't that fascinating how the angels think of themselves? I mean, they're glorious, and the ones who have remained with God have not sinned. Um, they're mighty and wonderful, but they think of themselves as servants alongside us. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Now, has, has this ever happened before in Revelation? Has John ever made this boo-boo before? Yeah. Twice before. Revelation chapter 1. I don't know, it says three, but that's not right. One seventeen. Yeah, it doesn't say worship. down the wrong chapter verse apparently and I don't have my sleuthing Bible anybody got a concordance Bible that's got right beside you know in the margin has connecting verses so like verse 8 fell down to worship at the feet is there a note or um, on your left margin tells you what verses are like that Nobody's got a concordance Bible? Yeah, I don't want to go there. I just want to stay in Revelation. Rats. Oh, yeah. That's another one that I hadn't even written down. So, <laughs> Good catch, Catherine. So 1910, 
At this, I fell at his feet to worship him, an angel, but he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you. So 19.10. There's also one at 16.15, if I got that right, written down. No, that's not right either. What in the world happened here? Rats, I must have uh, been deep diving and accidentally wrote down a couple of wrong citations. But I remember reading that this was the third time John had done this. So we got one of them in, let me write that down. What was that again? 1910. There's another one somewhere further back, no doubt. But anyway, it's not the first time. So that's pretty telling as well, right? I mean, this is John, the apostle, three years with Jesus, one of the beloved, the three closest disciples to Jesus, all those things. So what that tells me about this experience, oh, we have gone over, um, that this experience isn't just overwhelming now at the end. It's been overwhelming at a number of different junctures and all John could think to do was worship, and there was one in fr- an angelic, amazing God being in front of him at the moment, so he just, he just dropped and started to worship and had to be reminded, hey, I know this is blowing your, your human mind, but worship God alone. So um, to try and keep in mind that for John, we'll ask him someday, what was that like for, John, for you, John? And, and he'll just be like, I can't remember anymore. I got a resurrected brain. But uh, it says I kept dropping down to worship the angels, so I must have been kind of messed up. (laughs) Let's pray. God, we are amazed and blown away like John, um, and we're going to be careful uh, with his witness here to avoid his little mistake here. I don't want to say little, but he was so overwhelmed with the amazing wonder of it all, God. And so we we long for it and look forward to to more and more ourselves. Uh, Jesus, we do want to help bring all those who are willing to be saved with us. So make us mindful, caring, uh, loving them, praying for them and looking for opportunities to witness. Bless that witness with salvation for the hearers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.